Now, for the next hour, or thereabouts, we're going to talk to Yankee owner George Steinbrenner. Now, here's the only things we can't talk about. We want to tell you that at the top. Anything dealing with the Spira court case and, of course, the investigation in baseball about that. Other than that, we will talk to George, and why don't you welcome him in, Dawg? Yeah, no phone calls either, Mr. No Steinbrenner. Phone calls. Just Mike and I. Mr. Steinbrenner, Chris Russo, and Mike Francesa here at FAN. Good to have you aboard. Thank you. Good to be here. Long Hello, time, George. Long time. Looking forward to this. Hi, Mike. George, interestingly, you know, we've tried so many times to get you on. The thing that I thought about first was, seems a little media campaign in place right now. Is this because of your problems with ABC, or is it trying to pave the way for something that may be coming up next month? No, it's not uh, having anything to do with either. It's just that we got so many requests over and over and over again. I was going to be here all week, and I said, let's let's go on some of these shows and, and, and talk about the team because I think we're at a turning point with this team and the direction that we're going with it. If that's the case, George, how come you didn't go on with Bob Grant over at ABC? Over at ABC, they wanted me, I believe, at uh, they said I had to go on at 9 o'clock at night. Was that right? There was one that wanted me at 9 o'clock at night. I'm in bed at a quarter of 9 every night. So this isn't uh, a little vendetta against the other radio station? No, or? no, I have no vendetta. Jay Johnstone and uh, and uh, John Sterling will tell you. I don't, uh, uh, in fact, they stood up for me the other night. I, I don't care. Uh, Mr. Winehouse can say whatever he wants uh, about it. I mean, I don't think it's in very good taste. We're his ball club. When he says that we are not a major league team, I don't know what league we're playing in, and I wouldn't want to have him confront Don Mattingly, Steve Sachs, uh, Roberto Kelly, uh, or Steve Balboni with uh, the statement that they're not a major league ball players. Hmm. Okay, so George, you say this is a, a pivotal time, a turning point in this franchise. Yankees right now, 25 and 42. Yep. Where are you going? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, very honestly, for years, I, I used to listen to some writers tell me that, look, uh, you got to go with the young kids. Let's see some young kids. Let's not see uh, some of the fellows you're bringing in here. I didn't think you could do that in New York because I got a tremendous competitor four miles away who has done a tremendous job. Now, true, in the 17 years I've had the ball club, 14 years we've been winners, only three losing seasons, mm -hmm. where the other fellows have had nine winning seasons and eight losing seasons. Mm -hmm. uh, they went through a period, I think, when they finished last five times. But uh, we had chosen, I felt that you had to be up there in New York every year. These are the toughest fans in the world here. They're the most knowledgeable. They're the toughest. Uh, I'm sure you know that from some of the calls you get. Uh, they know what they're doing. I mean, this is a, a mentally tough city. And it has to be. And you fight for cabs, you fight for a uh, restaurant table, you fight for everything. That's a good way to have it. I didn't think I could come with the Toronto or Boston, not Boston, or Cleveland excuse or one of these other teams that were going to go and develop the young players. That's what Toronto did. There were years when they were floundering. Same with Oakland. All of a sudden, these young players come along. I didn't know whether New York would be patient for that. So now you've chosen expedient, instead of the expedient route, which you have taken many times in the past, you're telling us you're now going to bite the bullet and rebuild this franchise? You're right. We're going with the young players. I've heard you guys talk about some of the young players we got up. I, I, I'm finding it exciting. I, I had a bank president tell me the other day that now he's, people are wanting tickets. Uh, for months they hadn't wanted any last year and early this year. Now he's getting calls for tickets. And uh, I guess uh, the Lyritzes and the Mills, I love the way Mills goes out to the mound. I love the way he comes off the mound. Uh, he's a young kid, but he's showing a lot of guts, and he's going to be a great closer for us someday. Uh, I like uh, you know, the play of a lot of the young players that have come up here. George 
George, forgive me, but I have trouble believing that you're going to be happy with a 70 and 92 team, despite how good these young ball players are going to be. Well, I'll tell you, I I can understand why you say that, and you probably you you got a good case. I mean, it's hard to argue that I've ever been satisfied with less than uh, winning before. But I am convinced now, with what I have seen down there, where Columbus is leading by five games, six games, where we won four championships last year where these young fellas, uh, Pete Peterson's been down there a week now, he came back, I just said, how'd it look? And he put up five fingers, which means that he says there are five guys that can come up here and do us some good. That's an awful lot off of one AAA ball club, and we've already brought up Mills and Layritz and, and a couple others this year, see? So, uh, you know, hey, uh, I admit I was wrong in thinking that uh, it might not go over New York. There seems to be a tremendous interest and wanting to see young players, new young faces come up here, and how can I do any worse? I'm in last place now. That means Stump Merrill, no pressure. Stump Merrill should be back. If he shows you some life, shows you some enthusiasm, and the team plays hard all year long despite not how many wins you get, Stump Merrill should manage in 1991. Yes. Now, I don't like to be saying these things, because every time I make a change, whether it's a bona fide reason or not, then somebody says, well, you said this, you said that. Uh, let me say this. I'm ver- i got to be very satisfied with Stump Merrill. I mean, we came back from a tough road trip. We have trouble winning in Milwaukee, and it's certainly trouble winning in that new dome in Toronto. And yet we went four and three with some of these young fellas and spiced with our veterans. And, uh, you know, uh, just when Lamez goes up to the plate, he looks like he means business up there. He's a tough kid. I like that. Uh, something happens maybe later in their careers when the big money starts. But, you know, this was a good road trip for the Yankees, a very good road trip. And I think we'll acquit ourselves well against Milwaukee in this three-game series starting tomorrow night. George, you're talking about, okay, maybe moving some people and bringing up some more kids, maybe trading away some guys to teams who may need somebody down the stretch. Is that what you're talking about? Could be that that's what happens. Well, then, then let me ask you this. Yeah. Because of the instability in this organization, who's, who's running this organization now? Are you making the calls? Is Bradley making the calls? Is Peterson making the calls? I mean, everyone in baseball always says, hey, who's running the Yankees? We know George is on top, but you've said, hey, I'm not always there making the decisions. Who is running the Yankees now? Well, you'll find it's a combination uh, of George Bradley and Pete Peterson talking maybe on an average of an hour to two hours uh, on some days every single day. Uh, They're making decisions. Bradley was in there watching Columbus for eight days. Then he followed by Peterson for seven days. Now, those two guys will decide. I've told them. What if they disagree, George? Well, then you got a problem. Then I suppose I'm a tiebreaker. Then why do you have two guys? you got to well, have one the, guy running the show. Well, you, you'd think that's a good point. Lots, most teams do have one guy, and yet most some teams don't. So Boston has Gorman and Sullivan. You think they both don't have input? Yeah, but George is, but George, the other George is down in Tampa watching the Yankees on TV, and you got Pete up here in New York. I mean, how could they have equal footing if one guy's not even at the ballpark every day? Well, let me say this. George Bradley has been on the road a lot looking at our minor league teams. He watched him in spring training. He watched him at development down there. Uh, so he really knows what's going on down below more than he knows up here. Pete calls the shots with this team, basically. Uh, he made the trades uh, this year. Uh, uh, but George Bradley knows more about who's down there in the minors. Pete's new on board here. What about the guys, George, in baseball? You see this all the time. People saying, hey, the Yankees have become a laughing stock. You don't know who's running the team. You talk to somebody every day. Someone's got a different idea of who's trading who, who's in charge. Shouldn't you just have like a, a, a real clear line of command? I mean, if you're going to make the decisions from your key baseball people, shouldn't one guy be in charge rather than having 
Peterson and Bradley and this and that going back and forth? I don't know an awful lot of teams that just have one guy. You think Peter O'Malley doesn't have things to say about what the Dodgers do? Uh, I'm sure Cashin and, uh, hey, they're a tri triad there, and the, the Mets that have made some damn good decisions, and Freddie Wilpon has some input there, too. No, it's, it, I'm comfortable with this situation. Uh, you can be critical of it, uh, and maybe you've got reason to be the way we've looked so far this year, but uh, we are starting to turn it a little here, and these young fellows are giving us something we, we haven't seen around here in a while. So uh, we're going to go along with it this way. George, if there's one thing for this team, the 1990 Yankees, that you would like to do over again, what would it be? Maybe not firing Dallas Green, maybe not bringing Bucky along so quickly, maybe not trading Dave Winfield, and maybe not giving Pasquale all that money. What's the one thing you'd well, like to do over again? Uh, I, I wasn't in favor of the Winfield trade, but I went along with it. I made that public. Uh, as far as Dallas Green's concerned, there's a lot to that story. You know, there wasn't, uh, you know, Dallas and I have had our differences, and he's been pretty critical of me, and I haven't said anything that bad about Dallas Green. But believe me when I tell you that there were players that wanted that done. It's a strange thing about wow. players that I can't understand. You know, they're strange, and I don't let players dictate to me. Dallas and I had a problem over one thing, and uh, we just couldn't get that resolved. I think Dallas Green's a good baseball man. Uh, but, you know, players are funny. They'll come to you and they'll say, geez, we just can't do it with this guy. We don't like the way this is. We don't like the way that is. I don't often listen to it because the strange thing is then when a move is made to make a change, then you hear these same guys that came to you tell you, oh, geez, I don't, I, what a great guy. Sorry to see him go. So I put that question to Don Mattingly last winter during our negotiations. I said, why when you players... Uh, express yourselves that you cannot perform up to your maximum under the situation and so forth, and a move is made, why don't you stand up? Why don't you say, hey, we were part of it? Well, he says, I don't know. It's a tough question to answer. Maybe I've got to say to you uh, that we respect the position of manager, and we just don't want to criticize the position, but are willing to criticize the man. Well, I said, that's no way to be. I said, if something's done that you're a part of the decision, uh, then you should stand up. And he says, well, that's uh, strange that we don't, but he says, I think it might be out of respect for the position. I said, could it be that you think you're going to see this guy down the road somewhere? Uh, in another another manager general position? And on the Yankees, that might be so. You know, mm -hmm. Billy Martin, any guy stood up saying about Billy, he was back five times. Uh, so, uh, uh, there, there are reasons that the players don't want to uh, stand up when the time comes. and You're always standing there out exposed to, the, to everybody, and uh, you don't get that support you might want. Mike and Amanda are going to Fan 515 talking with Yankee owner George Steinbrenner. And George, do you admit that Dallas w was a, a good baseball man? I think Dallas was a pretty good baseball man, yes. I mean, I'm not going to get into an argument about Dallas, but uh, I don't think, uh, by the same token, if you took a vote of the team, he would have been named Baseball Man of the Year. Well, I'd like you to comment on this, okay? Because yeah. this was a quote of Dallas about you. Yeah. He said, George doesn't know a thing about the game of baseball. He mm -hmm. said, that's the bottom line. When a guy who wants total control... Mm -hmm and he doesn't know my job or the strengths and weaknesses of his club, then you got a big problem. Well, would you believe I was told by players that Dallas wasn't running the club? Well, who was then? So, well, so I've, I've had it said that Charlie Fox, who I happen to like as a person, was, was making more decisions than Dallas was. So I don't know. I, I can't get into those arguments. I don't choose to sling mud at Dallas at all. It, it's behind me uh, significantly when uh, I was getting ready to hire him. The Cubs management uh, gave me warnings. 
You know, so, George, I don't know. How about the Winfield thing, George? I mean, you said a second ago I, I was not in favor of that yep. Winfield trade. I mean, let's face it. All of New York knows all the problems you two had. I mean, we find that very hard to stomach saying that George Steinbrenner was not behind at least the platoon or maybe the, or, or the maneuvering of getting Dave Winfield out of here. How about that? I felt Dave coming back after a year should have been, uh, and I've said this publicly, should have been our DH and occasionally play right field. I had my managers tell me that Dave couldn't play the outfield that well anymore. Now, that he was lost a step or two, and he just couldn't play it. I had coaches and managers tell me that. One of them's the most successful manager in baseball today. Uh, so all I can say is that uh, I wanted him to stay. Uh, I didn't necessarily agree with it. I'm not anti-Mike Witt. I think he's going to be a good performer. He's going to be back soon. Uh, but uh, uh, I didn't want that trade. My troubles with Dave Winfield were over the Winfield Foundation and his previous agent, Al Froman. I thought there were things being done in that foundation that were wrong, okay? We three times had to go to a law case. Finally, we went into an arbitration at the suggestion of uh, one of the sports writers in town. They picked an arbitrator that we were both satisfied with. I didn't know that man, Mr. Armstrong, a man of tremendous integrity and reputation, was the head of the Knapp Commission here in New York. Uh, he was brought in. He arbitrated. What happened in the end? Uh, Dave got up and admitted that there were things going on in the foundation that shouldn't have been. Yeah, but you're telling me that one for 23 in the World Series, that in the 81, after Reggie left and everything else, that had nothing to do with it as far as Winfield was concerned? One for 22. Uh, <laughs> he knew what he was. I got it wrong, George. Yeah, now I don't want to. I don't want to show you guys up because you're too good. You're too tough. Uh, but I think it was one for 22. But anyway, he came in to me the next morning. And uh, he said, uh, boss, I want to tell you, he says, I owe you one. I really stunk the house out. And I thought it was a very nice thing for an athlete to do. And I said, hey, we'll get him next year. And that was the end of it. George, when you, when you look at how the Yankees are now and, and the problems that they faced last year and faced this year, you, you can probably trace it for the last 8, 10 years. And you look to the instability, and I keep getting back to the managers, 18, 18 years, 11 different guys and general managers and pitching coaches and on and on. When you bought the Yankees mm -hmm. way back, probably what led you to buy the Yankees probably was, uh, I'm just guessing, now you tell me if I'm wrong, you probably okay. were a guy growing up who was a fan and saw all the great Yankee teams and the pride and tradition and everything, but all that was built on a stability, and you've come in and you're a businessman, and what business could run on the instability that you've put this organization through over the last 18 years, specifically in the last decade? Okay, good good question. Good, very well thought out question and, and a worthy question. Now let me answer you, okay? Number one, when I took them over 17 years ago, uh, they were in the doldrums. The Yankees hadn't had anything to cheer about in a long time. I told him that I'd give him a championship within three years. I remembered Bill Vex standing up and saying that in 48 in Cleveland, and he delivered. Well, we've delivered by 1976. We won the pennant, uh, and the Yankees suddenly got going again. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk recently. Let's talk the decade of the 80s. Okay. In the, in the game of baseball, as in the game of radio or television, you live and die on your record. If your ratings go down and you're the hottest show for four years and your ratings go down, you're out. Yep. It's, it's a cruel, cruel business in television and in radio the same way, I imagine. Yep. A station's ratings fall, they change the format. They may go for a different kind of music or a, not a talk show or not sports or whatever. You've got to keep your ratings. Now, that's what you're in here for, the record, okay? So, let's talk about the 1980s. In the 1980s, the Yankees won more games than anybody else. Right. The whole. Okay? 854. Yes. More than any other team. And that's what my goal is, to win more games. But, George, aren't you, now, a, bottom, me, aren't yeah. you a bottom line guy? Yeah, you've got to let me finish. Okay. All right. Now, now you're saying, well, that's in the 80s. That's a 10-year period. What about the last five years? I just saw the other day in the newspaper that in the last five years, the Yankees have one of the five best records in all of baseball. 
win and loss records, which means that we are winning. We are in the pursuit of excellence, and we're succeeding in, in just the last five years. That amazed me, because when I pick up the papers and read, I would think that we are at the bottom of the league, but we're not. We're one of the top five in, out of 26. Now, let me tell you this. The draft system is in baseball. The old Yankees in the 30s and 40s, they went out and got in the 50s whoever they wanted. But for some reason, we have found the draft system to be desirable to produce equity and parity within football, baseball, basketball. You do well, you're penalized. You draft last. The Dallas Cowboys, six, seven years ago, were the greatest team in football, America's team. Now, you're going to tell me in four short years, Tom Landry became from one of the great coaches to one of the worst coaches? Nobody's no front office fell apart. Yeah, well, the draft, the draft but is you, what brings about parity. Yeah, but you weren't drafting, George, because you were signing free agents. We had to, because I felt we had to stay up there. You can't argue with the bottom line. In the 10-year decade, we were, one, uh, we were the number one team, and if you just took the last five years, we were fifth. All right, George, now you gave us a history lesson there on a decade. All right, okay? now let me finish. Okay. Okay. You guys are very good at let me finish here. Yeah, we'll come. I got a couple of questions. Oh, on I'm the afraid. 80s. That's why yeah. I want to keep talking. This no, is but, wait, but the only this thing is, is this, George. Wait a second. Oh, the thing <laughs> is this: you want to talk about history? The '80s is the only decade since the teens where the Yankees did not win a championship. And if you're a bottom line guy, you know also that the idea is to win it all, not to finish second, not to finish five games out every year. And in the '80s, the Yankees didn't win a championship right. for the first time since the teens. You're the interrupting other, my filibuster. But the other thing is this, George: you turned on. Mattingly and on Winfield at times said, what have we won since they've been here? Now, you can't take bows for your record and then turn well, around well, and well, knock well. those guys. I don't think I said that about Mattingly. Well, at times she said, you know, what have we won? You've made little quotes, little, little remarks about what have we won since they've been here. And you believe everything you read in the newspaper. Hey, George, what have they won? Well, you, you, you right, said, no, I'm not done. In 81, we won the championship. In the last five years, we won the top five teams in baseball. You didn't, not, win, you didn't wait, win a George, championship. You didn't, George, you didn't win no series in we 81. We won the American League championship in 81. Yeah, you didn't There's win a the series, yeah. George. No, Come no, on. no. Hey, listen. The, Cle the Boston Red Sox, who everybody's so great on, okay, they haven't won a world championship since 19, what is it, 16? Yeah, but George, you're the Yankees. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, but we're the Yankees under the new system, the draft system. That equalizes all things. I can't go out like the Yankees used to and have every kid want to play because they never get a chance to draft them. Now, you talk about... Guy, the Mets. All right, the Mets were f last place five years out of the last 17. During that period, I knew where Dwight Gooden was. He lived seven miles away from me. I would have loved to draft Dwight Gooden or Daryl Strawberry. We never got a look at him. But we, you signed free agents all that time. Yeah, but even if we had, we wouldn't have got a look at him because we, the choices we were giving away were usually between 20 and 26. See, we never got up in the top one, two, three, four, five. You don't get there unless you're the losingest team in baseball. But what about the fact, George, you, you don't think that the instability in this organization is ever... Hey. hey, George, would you go eat at a restaurant that was under new management every month? I don't know. It depends on what kind of food they were serving. Nah, but George, you know you say. All right, let me tell you something. There has been instability, okay? I'm willing to admit that. There was instability in 1977 when Billy came in and won the championship. We get into 1980, we fall 14 games behind. I felt a different type of guy was necessary. I brought in Bob Lemon. Bob Lemon made up the 14 games, won the championship. 78. 78. Yeah, yeah, 78. Not 80, George. No, I'm sorry, 78. Okay. The, amaz the thing is here, you know, I can, you can argue that all night long, and you make a good point. It's a good point. There is a sense of great instability here. But all of those guys that have been in and out, a lot of those guys were in five times, Billy, what, two times, Lou, a different 
different numbers of times, Bob Lemon twice. But there were reasons at the time, and they're all still with me. I mean, I still got Clyde King with me, uh, Stick Michaels back with me. Well, that proves Mike to me Ferreira. George got money. That's what it proves well, to me. Well, it doesn't prove money because these are talented fellas, you guys, that could go anywhere they want to go. They could go with other ball clubs, but they do stay. George, Bob Lemon's still with me. He's my chief scout on the West Coast. George, how do you feel now when you go to Yankee Stadium and you and you see people out with banners, Steinbrenner must go. And I mean, and let's face it, a lot of Yankee fans would say that there's no longer Yankee tradition that George Steinbrenner has ruined, even despite the record in the 80s, yeah. the concept of Yankee tradition. How would you handle well, that? Well, let me tell you. There are a number of people that come out with banners. I, I, I will defend to the last breath the right of the fan to boo George Steinbrenner and bring a banner. I mean, I had a banner day so they could parade with them last year. That was after you had some guys at the at the at the uh, exits taking some away before that. George. Well, I stopped Those that. Those guys in a were hurry. calling us up. Yeah, I I stopped that in a hurry. They, I tell you something. As long as they don't obstruct the view of the people, they can do that. I heard him boo Reggie Jackson in the stadium unmercifully. I heard him boo pitchers that had pitched five great games. They have one stinker and they get booed. That's the New York fan, and that's his right to boo. That is inherent. Now. We got more media coverage in this city than anywhere else. I was in Milwaukee the other day, Bud Selig, one newspaper really to deal with. Uh, Cleveland, one newspaper to deal with. When you got 14 or 15 guys to deal with, and everybody's got to come up with a new angle. I admire these young writers that are writing today because their bosses tell them, hey, come in with a sensational story or else you're out. And it's tough. It's hard for them. But so, the bottom line is, George, the tradition is not there. I mean, not well, throwing I'm up not, the media, but the fans don't like George Steinbrenner. Well, How do you handle that? I know. You say that. That may be so. But you walk down the street with me someday, and, and you Well, might, you know how it is, George. They want to shake your hands because you're George Steinbrenner. But as far as you being the Yankee owner, they don't like it. How do well, you handle that? I don't know. That's what you're saying, and I'll take your word for what you think you know. I'm not so sure of that. I'm not so sure that everybody, certainly there are going to be people that are going to be unpopular and find me unpopular. That's from the day they assigned me the word, the name, the boss. You know, the boss. Nobody really likes their boss. I don't care whether you like your boss. Or, do you, you like? Know, the there's going to come a day when you won't like him. You know that. Do you like that. the? Do you like the nickname, George? I don't know. You uh, do, George. You sometimes. love it. Come on. <laughs> no, no, George, no. You George, you love it. Now. George, you love publicity. Come on. Now, see, there you are putting words in my mouth. Do you love publicity? No. You like the back pages? No. Do you like Lupica? Who? <laughs> who? Lupica. Who's Lupica? Oh, you know who he is. The guy that used to write for the Daily News? That guy. Yeah. Well, Mike and I have our differences. He is very, I think he has the old Gabriel Heater uh, complex that you take on the big guy and you make a name for yourself. And I think that's what Mike really felt. Mike's a talented young man. I'm not going to get into arguments about what Mike writes about me. But, but George, if you were as good at picking managers uh -huh. as you were at manipulating the media at times in this town, you'd have Casey Stengel there for 15 years. <laughs> but John wouldn't. <laughs> You'd have like a Miller Huggins, Joe McCarthy reign yeah. again. You'd have one guy in 30 years. <laughs> yeah, and I probably own a radio station. You know, uh, how about you know how about bringing some of these guys back? I mean, George. Right, I mean, let's talk. I mean, you got Morton six times, Pinella twice. Pinella goes, does a great job with the Reds. You let Hauser go, great job with the Royals. You let Jeff Torborg go, look at the White Sox now, right wait now. Wait a minute, you won't hear Jeff Torborg say a bad word, and I doubt that you'll say Lou. I help Lou get that job. Let me tell you a little story about the Cincinnati job you might find interesting. First of all, Bob Quinn went out to Cincinnati to interview. Okay, uh, Marge Shot called me. I like Marge. I think she takes a lot of abuse out there because she's a woman, and I, I'm defensive of, uh, for her in baseball. Uh, she goes out to Cincinnati. Uh, Bob goes out there and talks. She calls me. She says, I'm not going to hire him. I said, why? And he says, because he gets out here, and all of a sudden he's saying he has to have a car. 
and that wasn't part of the deal. I said, Marge, Bob Quinn is a loyal, loyal guy. He will be protective of you. He will not stab you in the back, as other people have been doing. I said, you need Bob Quinn, and I guarantee you, you will be happy, and he will be happy, and he'll give you that loyalty, which is so important. So Bob gets the job. Now Lou. Now they want to talk to Lou. And this is true, exactly what happened. First time I've ever told this story. And she came to me, and she said, uh, uh, we would like to interview Lou Pinella. And I, so I got to go to Lou. I said, Lou, you're like family with me. Now, look, I didn't like the Toronto because we'd be facing each other all the time, but this is a wonderful situation. You've had other offers. Cincinnati's a great town, great sports town. And I said, they got good material. They're better than a last place or next last place club. I said, you could go out there and really do a job. We had that discussion. I said, I'm going to give you permission, and I hope you go out there. Lou goes out there. He has his interview with Marge. Marge calls me. I'm not going to hire Lou. I said, why? He says, well, he wants three years. And I said, give him three years. Give him three years, and he'll take that team and put it right in the middle of the pennant race and might even win it for you. I said that to the press in Cincinnati. Well, if he's such a good manager, you want to let him go. Because certain things happened here. Would you believe that there were players that came to me about Lou and I didn't want him to get George, it. George, come on. George is always going to be players. You're never going to have 25 guys that love you. And I also felt that maybe I had moved too fast with Lou. I think Lou's a good manager. I'm willing to admit that that was a mistake, not bringing him back. I tried to bring him back. He said, no, I'm going to stay upstairs. Was it a mistake bringing Billy back six times? No. Six times, George? You were a laughingstock to a lot of people. Well, I was. Uh, if you saw, uh, a lot of people didn't feel that way. Billy was a baseball genius. He had an instinct that no other player or manager I've ever seen had for the game. Now, where he got that, I'm not going to I don't know. He always told me he got it from Casey. Well, wherever he got it, he had that instinct. His players knew with all of his other things that he could do things to make games go their way, to have things happen that other people weren't expecting. He was a baseball genius on the field. I'll always be defensive. He was, uh, was a great love between us. Uh, I took care of him, and I was going to take care of him all his life. If that's what if he wanted to stay with me, and uh, I will not uh, not be party to knocking him down. If he had short calls, shortcomings, they were off the field. But I didn't ask you that. I asked you, was it a mistake? In any of those six times, did you make one mistake? He said, "Goodness, I should have brought him back this time." Maybe the last time when he had the problem down at Lace. I mean, was there a mistake there or not? At Lace? Well, the place down in Arlington, well, Texas. Well, you guys don't go there, do you, Mike? No, not at all. How about George? Mad Dog? No, <laughs> don't George. No. No, okay. George. Well, yeah. anyway, he did. That was a mistake. I came into the hotel that night and saw him at age 60 with an ear half hanging off, full of blood. I said, Billy, you, you know, I, I tried my darndest to get through to him on that, that he just can't do that stuff anymore. And he had a certain thing that would always happen to him about two, three months into it, uh, that we did everything I could to prevent it. But you can't knock Billy uh, with me, and I don't think it was a mistake for me to have him back five times. You can, you know, you're entitled to your opinion, and maybe fans feel that way, but he was great for me. Well, George, you know, we're talking about a team now that has been – if you take a year and a half, count this as a half year, yeah. it's a couple games short. 30 games under 500. Uh huh. Okay? Okay. Now, we look at all the problems, the guys who have moved through. Do you ever think now you, you've made a great business decision with the Yankees? The cable deals you sign are phenomenal. Do you ever think maybe you should just handle a business end and get out of the baseball end well, altogether? I'll tell you, at my age, I've given a lot of thought to getting ready to turn it over to uh, other people. My son has been up here a year and a half, he's not like his old man. He was uh, very well received by everybody in baseball. He's been doing another deal for me now, working on something else. And I've given serious thought. I'm getting to the age where I've got to start to take it easy. I can't be going the schedule I'm going. And uh, George, none of us age. believe you, though. You know. Yeah, no, I know you don't. We don't. I don't. We okay. expect 
you know? to be on the phone, you know, to the manager at what uh, if midnight. I, what if I put my hand up? No, we still don't. You still don't believe? I'm not going to believe. Oh, George, I mean, you love them. I mean, let's face it, you love them, and you're not going to get this any kind of publicity anywhere else except your own New York Yankees. You can't, you can't buy that or get that anywhere else. Well, that might be so. That you might, might, you can do this to 80. So. I mean, it keeps you young in a lot of ways. Well, it does help to keep you young because it keeps you on your toes. But I'm kept young with a few other things I'm working on right now, too. George, do you think you've run this team into the ground? No, absolutely not. Not, not, when, a, we've, not, not when we've got the young players coming. A decision. You, see, but, you know, George, the minors. You, this is not me, Joe DiMaggio George, coming up, George. George, what's there in the minors? Uh, you know, Bernie Williams is still sitting in double A. No. Island's no. been up. Atkins you're talking about. Mamahat. I mean, uh, Mills I know is, is a guy who could be a reliever. I mean, you tell me in Columbus what's there that's going to be well, the great. Well, I think you're going to see a guy come up named Kevin Moss. I think he's going to be great. All right, Moss. you got a little infielder named Stankowitz that's yeah, going to come up one day very soon. Those aren't Daryl Strawberries, though, George. <laughs> well, they you are know? first draft choices. I Never got a shot at there. But you're Trump. talking about this Columbus team's gonna gonna rebuild this Yankee team. Those guys hey, in Columbus aren't that only, good. We're not the only team with problems. There are problems with a lot of other teams. You know? How do you explain the Chicago White Sox to me? Tell me. Well, but, well I don't know if they're for real yet anyway. So we have to wait and see. But then again, George George Steinbrenner joining us here on the fan. Mike and the Mad Dog, five thirty two on. Where Sports am I joining? Sixty six on a fan. No, you're oh, joining. A fan. It sounds like I'm joining in a ring. No, the, this is this you're the kind fan. of hard. But the thing the is, George, it's well, it's kind of like you know the idea that the guy sitting yeah. out there, George, on the LIE right now, has been a Yankee fan for thirty years. Right. Wonders if they're going to get better, and I don't know that there's enough talent at Columbus right now to say in two years they're going to be any well, better. Well, we're going to find out because that's what we're going to start to go with. Are you going to sign free agents? Be surprised. Are you going to sign free agents anymore? If there's somebody that can really help us, the idea. What, what do you? What about the idea that these guys are running away from the Bronx now? Is that true? Hey, listen. This is a joke. Let me tell you something. There's a guy that came up to me, just came with it, Matt Noakes, in the locker room at Milwaukee the other day, and he says to me, Mr. Steinman, I'm really happy to be here. He says, I never. This is really a first-class organization. The way everybody treats me, the way we travel, the way we do things. He says, I'm really happy. He's only been here a week. All right, he's, he's been away. Right, right, Try Steve Sachs. Try Steve Sachs. Go to Steve Sachs. I mean, they said, well, George can't sign free agents anymore. Are they kidding you? You know, three years ago, the top free agent was Jack Clark. Two years ago, the top free agent was Steve Sachs. I got both of them. This year, we were second in the Langford. I'll take two out of three. You know, speaking of that, speaking of trading Clark and Ricky Henderson, George, yep. let's face it, Zippo in return. Bad, How about that? bad trade on Ricky. Admit. Is that Inf your fault? Your fault? Ricky, Ricky had a gun to your head, George. Not I'll give fault. you that. Not my fault. Not your fault. Nope. Your, Whose fault? The Sid guy Fifth? that traded him, but I don't blame Sid. He felt we needed pitching. He got. You know what I found out about the Henderson trade yeah, a half fun. hour before it took place? George, how can they let you trade a superstar? How can your organization trade a superstar player without talking to you about it? Hey, they talked to me a half hour. Bob Quinn will tell you that. Uh, when you? Sid Triff came with me, you guys are saying, butt out, George, butt out. Let the general managers, the baseball people run the club. I did. You can't let them butt out. But the thing is, Sid No, that's even, what you're telling me. Sid that's didn't what you're even la He didn't even last a year. I know. Who, Sid? Yeah. Well, I think he might have been. Th I, I will not say anything bad about Thrift. I think he may have been concerned about that trade and how it was going to work out after it was made. How about Jack Clark, the fact that you knew oh, Tom Rich? Let's the talk. fact that you knew Tom Rich and wanted to give Jack a break. That was your forte, yep. Jack yep. Clark, right? You know why? Because Jack Clark's a, a hell of a ball player. And he came to me and he said, Mr. Steinbrenner, I would like to be traded back home. My family will not come east. Oh, yeah, they said that. All right, now, wait a minute. Let you me say something. Jack, you were sending hell with it. I put family first, and I put the baseball second. I put Rick Cerrone's health and his knee first, and the baseball second. A guy batting 300, I could sure use him today, okay? But when I took a look at what he had, and I showed him my knee, and I said, you're not going to end up like I am. I said, you're going to get that taken care of. I want to stay. The team needs me. I said, the hell with that. You've got 50, 60 years more, and you're not going to be living a cripple. And if he tells it any different way, that's what happened. I have a lot of respect for Rick.
So, you know, when Jack Clark comes to me and says, I can't get my family, would you please do it? I said, okay. Well, I what? was in San Diego about a year ago at an Olympic meeting. And do you know what he said in the papers? He says, I'd play for George Steinbrenner any day. Well, if that's the case, when you signed him for the three-year contract, why didn't he tell you then that he wanted to go back to San Diego? He didn't. It's his family. That's first, fellas. That's first. Uh. No, that's not second. When a guy touched, same with Whitson. Whitson told me the same thing, and he's pitching great out there. Not every ball player wants to play in New York for any either place because well, Whitson, of the city. Whitson was a strange case. I'll give you that. He yeah. couldn't pitch here. I don't. Know, I still don't know what was wrong with Eddie Whitson, but that, that's for another day. But thing is, George. I mean, you know, we shake our heads. We look at these things. I mean, we. Hey, I didn't want Jack Clark to leave this ball club. How about Britt Burns? Go back to when you signed Britt Burns, and then okay. people are saying now that Pasquale Perez, you didn't check him out, and he had a bad arm before you signed him. Listen, let me tell you something on Pasquale Perez that's interesting. Pasquale Perez came to camp, and he was in good shape. And he came late because he had some problems with his visa in the Dominican. Okay, so he gets into camp. He's there just a few short days, not the same time as the other pitchers, and they put him in a game against the Braves at West Palm. And if I'm not mistaken, they pitched him three to four innings. And I'm turning to the people next to me and saying, why are they pitching him this long? He was going great, throwing the hell out of the ball. Why so long? He just got here. And I never could understand that. Well, that and I'm not sure that didn't have something to do with this problem he's got. Well, that takes you back to your manager. Your last manager, was he ready to be the ma a manager in the major league level? Well, as we look at it now, I guess you could say I made a mistake. George, you know, you, we always, you always talk about the baseball people. Yeah. You know, and your baseball people. and this. Who are you listening to? Who am I listening to now? Yeah. I'm listening to George Bradley, Pete Peterson. They're my baseball guys. Just those two guys. And, no, and one other, Brian Sabian, who's the head of my scouting. Right. I listen to him. And then, and then you guys sit and in the three, you sit and down. And I listen to you two guys occasionally. No, you don't, George. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. You wouldn't I be 25 and 42 <laughs> if you did. No, listen, I wouldn't be 25 and 42. Tell me, how many times <laughs> have you been out to support me at this stadium this oh, year? How George, many games? George, we've been there now. Come on. No, you haven't. Yes, we have. George, how many times? George, I've only been to the Yankee Stadium three times well, this year. Well, now, see, there you are. And I, I wish tell you'd you come something. out and support me more. George, I just wish you would. I just wish that when I get out there, you'd score a couple of runs. Hey, once, listen, you know? I'll tell you. When you do get out here, you come and see me, and I promise you, I'll listen to you. 5.37 your time, Mr. Steinbrenner, joining us. George, how about this football mentality? How about the fact that you've always been a big football guy, and you've tried to use that football mentality and bring it into a slow, long type of you know, it's a long-paced game, baseball, and you brought your football mentality to baseball, yet it doesn't work. How about that? Well, that's been said many, many times. Well, it's about true, me. George. I just, well, you say it's true. I mean, you're telling me everything is true now. Nobody knows everything, see. But uh, I am, have a football mentality. I'm a great believer in the greatness of Vince Lombardi and Paul Browns of the world. Uh, Vince Lombardi said it best. Uh, winning isn't a sometimes thing. Winning is an all-time thing, and you've got to strive for it all the time. Winning is a habit. Unfortunately, so is losing, and we've got to do something to get out of that. Uh, and, uh, you know, the football mentality that I have only goes to discipline and to things like that. And uh, I've even eased back some on that because I've come to realize it is a very long season. But there are still things basic that you don't want ball players doing and that you don't appreciate them doing because they're supposed to be held up as an example to young Americans. And when they do certain things that they do and when I find out that certain guys are doing those things, it doesn't make me very happy. George, what are you doing with Deion Sanders? Deion Sanders uh, has a deal with us that if he's on the major league roster, uh, come July, he will stay and play baseball. Now, uh, I will say this about Deion. He's a tremendous talent. We've had to rush him. We really have. He shouldn't be here. No, you're right. So why is why he here? here, George? Why isn't he in the minor gonna, leagues? Are you going to let a great talent, as he has, he has a tremendous talent, see if he's not up here come July, he's going to football. But if his name was Joe Smith... True. George, you wouldn't True. have him in the major True. leagues right but now. But I'm not competing with a National League football team for him either.
But he, with Joe you, Smith. But see? you listen, Deion Sanders is an all pro cornerback. We know that. That's yep. a proven fact. We don't know that he's ever a three hundred hitter. Well, if you listen to my coaches, they will tell you he is, that he is a genuine superstar in the making. Now that's all I can tell you. That they think he's a superstar. In the making. Yet if he hits 150, George, he might get You're frustrated. Right. Michael down in Atlanta anyway. You're right. And, and, he's got a, and he's got a $2 million buyout thing anyway with the retirement clause. Hey, so. a lot of these young guys, let me tell you something, a lot of these young guys up here may be, may be going through very bad times before they get their feet on the ground, you know? And that's what I, I'm faced with. But I also look down my averages and I see that the three or four highest guys on the team with stranding runners in scoring position are not the young kids. No, your big star is not hitting. He's not hitting. Well, he's not the only one. Well, he, but he's having an awful time right now. Sure he is. The and worst I, that we've ever seen. I, I agree with you, and I told him the other day in Milwaukee. I sat with him and talked. This guy is, to me, Jack Armstrong and Frank Merriwell all rolled into one. And everybody said, sign him. You can't let him get away. And I totally agree with that. I still agree with it. Uh, he is struggling as no superstar probably has ever struggled. But I think he's carrying with him, and I don't care what anybody says. I think he carries with him in his mind this idea that he's making $3 million a year, and he has to live up to it every single second. He has to deliver every single time. The pressure is all on him. He's getting some good pitches to hit. He's getting darn good pitches to hit, but he's just going after some bad ones. He will straighten around. Despite this isn't Don Mattingly. He can't carry the weight of this team on his shoulders. Despite the fact, George, do you think he's Jack Armstrong and Frank Merriweather all wrapped up into run two years ago? You almost shared him the Giants for Will Clark and Craig Lefferts. Then he wasn't Jack Armstrong. How come he's Jack Armstrong now? Well, I mean, as a person as well as an, an athlete, he's just an outstanding young man. Did he you really almost shame him to the Giants? We had talked about it, yes. Well, that... If he's Yankee tradition and Yankee symbol, why even talk to the Giants about trading your Jack Armstrong, Frank Merriweather? Well, be, not no. You see, now you two guys are too young. It's Frank Merriweather. Well, that Frank, goes <laughs> way back to Yale in the 30s. Well, you know me. I always get that wrong. Frank Merriweather. Well, you're too young. Say, you're too young, but, you guys. But he was Jack Armstrong, Frank Merriweather, and you almost traded him. How come? Because uh, when we were talking about it, at the time, we didn't know where we were going. We didn't know whether uh, Clark, how good he was going to be. I had people telling me Clark was every bit as good as Mattingly. I, I, you know, there's certain intangibles, though, where Mattingly's concerned that in the end uh, won out. Don Mattingly, uh, you won't ever catch me saying anything bad about him. He gives me 150% all the time. I, I don't ever recall. You guys said I did. I don't ever recall saying anything that way. George, you, you aware how upset and how frustrated the fans are in this town? Sure. Especially How, with, with you and, and, and with all these changes. Are they upset with with Don? Yeah, I think they are upset with Don, but they're uh, upset with you because they've been living with it for 15, 17, 17 years. years. 17 years. Wait a minute, wait a minute. 17 years of the best record in baseball. But, George, listen, in the 70s when it was a circus, it was tolerable because you were winning. The circus now isn't too much fun. Hey, listen. No, it isn't. It's tough when you're losing. It's always tough. In 1978, they were saying, some one guy wrote an article, the Yankees are done. How wonderful it is on the Red Sox. Here they are, 14 games up, peace and harmony. Everybody's together. Now we start creeping up on them. George, by that's September a long 1st, time ago. By, wait a minute. By, but it illustrates a point. By September 1st, George Scott saying Lynn's choking. This guy's saying Scott isn't hustling. All of this, and they went to pieces. Now, winning means everything in sports. I'll tell you that. It really does. Once you win, you know, it's not, what did you do for me recently? That's what it is. And maybe it should be that way. It's a bottom line business. Sure. It's a bottom line business. And our bottom line over the 17 years is better than anybody in baseball. Over the last decade is better than anybody in baseball. Over the last five years is as good as five of the top teams in baseball. We're Would, right there. You haven't been close, though, in a couple of years now, now George. Let me, Would, let me show you one other thing. If we are so bad, how come we're the greatest draw in baseball on the road? 
Because that uniform's still worth something. Yeah, and so is the team. Now, let me tell you something. NBC, two years ago in 88, did a study. They did it every year while they had the Saturday afternoon baseball. They do it in April, and they do it in July. And those studies showed them area by area which team people wanted to see most. Now, naturally, if you polled you poll in L.A., the Dodgers would be first and the Angels second. But the overall scoring of all areas, and they did it ten times from uh, in the five years, from 83 to 80, 88, the Yankees were first all except one time. Is that but, because of you, George, or because of Ruth it's because Gehrig of and DiMaggio? Well, Ruth Gehrig and DiMaggio aren't out there anymore. Yeah, George. So it's because of the team. George, they don't. They're not going. They're not saying that now because they want to. They see, are. They want. They don't want to see Mel Hall and Lyrics. I'll tell you that well, much. Let me tell you this. They are saying it because we're drawing more people than anybody else in either league on the road. Now, if there's some reason that we aren't doing it at home, we got a fine organization four miles away. They got the best of us right now, as we had the best of them for a lot of years. But don't forget this, too. The media contributes a lot to it. The media shapes the people's minds. Well, we're not out there playing for these guys, George. Right but why now, do people a- want to see us in Cleveland? Well, I, I don't know. You because know, they, because a lot of ways, they for all these years they've hated the Yankees and they wanted to beat them. And there's no, Yankee no, and there's no. Yankee fans, there's George. There's Yankee fans everywhere. That's why the, the, a whole generation of kids grew up idolizing the Yankees because sure. they were great. Sure. That's why. And but they've been they, great they, in the last 17 years. Well, and don't tell me they haven't. Not been. great, George. George had, didn't win a championship in the 80s. You, would you, you didn't have a draft back. You then. didn't win any championships in the 80s. We they, won the American League pennant in '81. The Oakland A's have been in the last well, two World Series. In the last 17 years, my competitors have had nine winning seasons and eight losing seasons. George, but would you give up? And all they these? won a championship you, in '86. George, but and would they you, won a pennant in '88. Would you give up five bad years to get six or seven years where they are averaging 95 wins I a year? I think you may have to do that with the draft the way it is today. I think you may have to face it. Otherwise, the Dallas Cowboys would still be up there. This idea of parity is not good for sports, in my opinion. You shouldn't be penalized so you're not for taking doing any, well. George, you, you, you may have to take five very lean years in order, as the Mets did, in order to get to the top again. So and the or- then they'll go down. The organization's not taking any of the blame for this, huh? Oh, yeah, sure. You've made some lousy trades. Sure. You've we made cha- some great trades. you changed managers like other people change shirts. we got some great free agents. And some bad ones. And some bad ones. Nobody's right all the time. I've never seen the last guy know of that was perfect on this earth walked on water. And nobody's done it since. So, uh, George, you know, nobody's perfect. A couple of things that the fans yeah. always talk about. Okay. Are you going to keep that team in the Bronx? We don't know at this point. Uh, you know, uh, the, the problem is our parking is terrible here. Awful. I mean, you, you can go to Shea and park within sight of the stadium. You come here, you may park five blocks away, you can't even see the stadium. Might not be a problem the rest of the season, George. Traffic. Well, it may. I think you're going to see some changes. I, I think people are going to get excited about these young kids, and we're going to bring up more, and maybe they'll come up here and watch us. So I think that's a everybody's good idea. Everybody's been telling me. Wait a minute. Everybody's been telling me. Go with these young kids. You can do it. Will you bite the bullet? Well, we're going to bite it. And I we're think it's see. a good idea, George. And I think the fans will support Yeah, I listened to you guys. You've said that. So in other words, that's a good idea. In other words, George, if Jersey builds you a beautiful stadium in a beautiful lot with thousands of parking spaces, you might listen. No, no, I don't know that I'll listen. I'll tell you, we've become very close with the new administration. The mayor has gone out of his way to be great with me. I mean, he's been unbelievable. Uh, you know, but it just seems in some areas, no matter what I do, I can't win. I bring Mandela, the Mandela rally, into Yankee Stadium. All of a sudden, the guy that's the promoter who quits him says, well, Steinbrenner delayed it three days. Steinbrenner delayed it. Shea was open. 
They, you know, they wouldn't let him in there. You know what, George? Though they, you shouldn't have had Mandela bring all those Met fans because they booed you pretty good that night. Did they really? Yeah. Well, he wore the jacket, and that's good. And maybe he brought a lot of Met fans. But uh, today we gave the city of New York $100,000. You know, how about how about those stories? To pay for all the expenses for that. You know, speaking of the Mets, George, how about all those stories that everybody reads in spring training over the last five, six years that spring training games against the Mets was brutal to win, and you had to go 25-5 and five in spring training and beat the Mets nine times. How about that? Is that true? 25 and 5, then would rather go what now? Give it that to me again. Spring training games against the Mets yeah. and spring training overall in your era has been very, very important. Very important to win a lot of spring training games, especially when you played the Mets. How about Early that? on, that's true. You're absolutely right. Lately, no. And I'll tell you why. We went up to play the Mets this year, and we had two Cy Young Award winners pitching against us. Now, that was important to Davey to win that, and I said that at the time. No, I, I have nothing but respect for that organization. Will Pond, Double Day, right on down. Uh, it's a fine, outstanding organization. It used to mean an awful lot to me when I was the new kid in the block to beat the Mets because they were riding high. Uh, but now it doesn't mean so much anymore because we got in such a mess this year. Year before last, we beat them too. This year, they beat us too. Uh, Freddie uh, yeah, but, the fact that, but the fact you can even tell me who won the games in spring training indicates that it's very important to you, I can, I can remember what well, that series is. But not the way it used to be, not win at all costs. I mean, we paraded a young kid out there in the ninth inning. He throws up a home run ball. But that young man, Mills, is going to be a great player for us. George, nobody cares and I was about the those first. games. Well, I know it. I but know you it. do, George. You're telling me. Not who anymore. Won. Not anymore. Oh, I can know the results and still say, I don't care. Hey, George. It, it, uh, early on, now I'm telling you the truth, early on it meant a lot to me. Now it doesn't mean that much to me. In fact, I don't know that we're going to play him next year. And you know why? Because we came up here and we lost three days going into the season because we had some inclement weather up here. WFAN here in New York, George Steinbrenner. Michael, go ahead. George, would you ever sell the Yankees? Michael, I don't think so. I think I would rather see my son take over and, and keep the Yankees. The Yankees kind of like a Mona Lisa. And, uh, you know, I, nothing is forever, nothing's for certain but death and taxes. But, but I just don't feel disposed to, no. How about the Liz Smith rumor yesterday, George, or last week about the fact that Reggie Jackson's available, big name, 70-92 and 92 win team, 5,000 in September. Would you bring Reggie back to manage if you wanted to? Reggie and I are extremely close. We've talked in the last two weeks numerous times. He's anxious to get into ownership in baseball. He was hoping he could get into San Diego. That didn't work out. Reggie's an outstanding guy. Uh, we had, we had our, our arguments and our times, but I think if you went to Reggie, uh, you wouldn't find uh, him on the anti-George list so much because we talk a lot. Would, would, would you, you, you want to manage him? Would you consider I'm very happy with Stump Merrill right now. I really am. Now, I, I don't know. Reggie, in his talks with me, mentioned nothing about that. He mentioned becoming a baseball advisor to them out there and being part ownership. So, George, as we start this... Well, I wouldn't rule that out, no. Oh. You would not rule that out? Can you, what I just George, told could you. George, could you bring Reggie here as manager? No, you I'm couldn't. talking about but ownership. But you just said you wouldn't rule it out. No, 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 no. Reggie's going to own a piece. No, He's no, going to no, get sir. the right field stance. You guys are so young and so aggressive and so good that you sometimes run over what I say like I'm that. sorry, George. Yeah. Now, George... 25 and 42. Yeah. Trying to make the turning point here. Yeah. Good road trip. All right, George, right. 4 and 3. Oh, not George, bad. Come on, not for bad. us. For us. Not hey, bad. Go, for look us. At our, go look at our record miracle okay. in Milwaukee in the last few years. I know. Against that Toronto lineup, not bad. You look no. at their run. George, That's why, a tremendous lineup. Why don't you try and make a trade for this Olerud kid? Give him the whole team. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, he is something. I don't know what he knows that my coaches don't, but he certainly killed us. He was unbelievable. I, I didn't know that much about him. Are you going to stay, as you try to make this turnaround with this organization now, are you willing to say it's going to take us, hey, two, three years yep. to get this turned around and you're going to be the man calling the shots ne here? No, never thought I'd say that, 
Never thought I'd say that, that because I didn't think you could do that in New York. I knew you could do it in some of these other cities. Toronto did it, and everybody's happy. The now. Mets did it. The Mets did it. Went five seasons. They were awful. Last. Drew 700,000 yeah. people right. to Shea. They did it. You own a town then. Now you don't own a town anymore. That's right. And that's the thing shift. Does that, ju- does, that ju- does that bug you, you George, that the no, Mets now own a town? Not like it used to. Not like it used to. So, I've, so in other words, George Steinbrenner has mellowed in the last It's couple. a kinder, gentler, more mellow George got, Bush and George Steinbrenner. I got an idea Boy, for I'm a great I, supporter of his. Boy, George, I don't buy that one either. Well, you, know you got to give. Now, look, you say, who's going to help you build it? You guys have made an offer. Now I'm going to tell you something. We talk about accountability. Everybody's accountable. I'm accountable for the bottom line, the one and lost record of my team. Now, one thing, one pet peeve I have about sportscasters and writers. Uh-oh. One year, a couple of sports writers in this town picked That's... the Giants and the Jets to be in the Super Bowl. Right. Well, it was so far from wrong, but you never heard anybody say, hey, you picked them. Now, I'd like to meet with you guys. Yeah. I would really like to sit down with you for a couple hours and pick your brains. I'm serious about this. You got it, And George. let's talk about it. And let's find out what you think. And then we'll sit down and list the things that I think and you think, and we'll see whether you're right. You, I may, got a, you may have all the answers. George, I, I got an idea. When Pete and George Bradley get into some problems, Mike and I can be the dual GNs. Hey, I, I, we can uh, break the tie. Listening to you, you've got a lot of knowledge about the game. But let's put you on the line now. George, I got I'm an idea. serious. You want to do that? Absolutely. George, all right, that's a deal. George, let me ask you a question about, if I can, is there a way, seriously now, well, I'm serious about no, what I, I just said. No, forget that first. I want to bring you something else real quick. Is it possible, and I saw him the other day at a, at a, at a Met ball game, and he's a Yankee and everything else, is it possible to somehow mend the, face, mend the fences with Yogi Berra? I wish Mad Dog in the worst day, a worst way I could do that. Have you I, tried? I, I've tried, yes. I don't know how. If I knew a way, if you could find a way for me to do it, well, whether how, it's an apology or what it is, I've tried everything I know. What, writing him letters and stuff like that? No, no. By inviting him to things, having a special day, uh... You know, I would do anything to get him. I've done that. You know, I did have a special day. Do you regret not to come? Yogi, uh, I, I just wish it would happen. I, you know, the old Yankees went through it with Maris, and I brought him back here. He wasn't ever going to come to Yankee Stadium again. And uh, we brought him back that year, and it was a tremendous feeling. I wish I could do the same thing with Reggie. You know, there have been a lot of guys that have gone out of here saying awful things. Goose Gossage is one. I'm in touch with Goose regularly on business deals. Right now, he's talking to me. Uh, but he came back. There have been a lot of guys that have gone out of here saying bad things. Tommy John didn't have much nice to say, but he's back. I mean, I wish I could get that done with Yogi. If you can help me on that, I'd appreciate that. Was that a mistake letting him go in 85 after 16 games? Uh... I'd have to say it probably was, yes. Well, we've gotten to admit you made a lot of mistakes. The team didn't play badly that year. Yeah, though. I made a lot of mistakes. Everybody makes a lot of mistakes. The guy that doesn't think he makes mistakes uh, and is willing to admit it, uh, Bigger man. to say that he doesn't, uh, isn't much of a guy. That was that was probably a mistake, and there have been, there have been numerous others I've made. But, George, you're a businessman first. Yep. Obviously, always have been a businessman first. Have you come to the realization maybe through all this turmoil, all these 206 different players in the 80s, the managerial changes that maybe you should keep your hands off the baseball uh-huh. team? Okay, now, you just said that to me, but a minute ago you said, well, why didn't you do this and why didn't you do that? You guys got to make up your mind. No, no, what I'm saying I mean, is... why didn't I interfere on the Reggie, Reg, uh, Ricky Henderson trade? See, you you're being selective, George. See, my, our feeling is, and, and yeah. probably every fan who's listening to this right now, is well, that you're involved in all of this anyway. Well, I do, that's not so. Absolutely not so on Ricky Henderson. Absolutely not so. I didn't want to see how him could it, How could a front office guy who works for you trade a valuable commodity like that without discussing it with you? Hey, it wasn't that he didn't discuss it. I was against. I told him I was against. I told him I didn't want to, really want to see Winfield go out of here. But that didn't make any difference. I backed off. You guys are all saying, you know, get involved. Be hands. Why didn't you stop that? And then in the next breath, you're telling me you're too involved. 
I will stand on the record of the team over 17 years, over the decade of the 80s, or over the last five years. It just seems, Joe, that you're selectively involved. It's like you're involved sometimes, and when things go bad, you're not involved. Oh, no, no, no. I've told you today I've taken the blame for an awful lot here today. No, I, well, you yes, have. I have. No, I agree. I'm not going to sit there. Yeah. And, no, you, 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 what's the biggest mistake you made in the decade of the 80s? Jeez, that would be tough to say. <laughs> It'd take me a day to figure out. No, now, come let on. Just, got, how, all right, let me think. Dick Houser? The biggest mistake I made in the Firing 80s. Firing Mike Ferraro after that play at third base in the 80 playoff game against the I Royals? I think it would have to be Hauser or Reggie. Which one? Uh, I, you, you got it. You got it. Reggie and Hauser. Uh, Mike Ferraro's back with me. He's back. He's my first base coach. Uh, if he says bad things about me, I'd be surprised. These guys know when they go away. That when, Like when Rick Cerrone called me, he says, look, I'm a free agent. Nobody has made me an offer. Nobody wants me. He says, will you give me a chance? And he said, you'd have to give up a second-round draft choice to get me back. I said, hey. And I said some awful things. I said, Rick, forget what you said. You were black and blue for me. You, you played 150%. Get your ass down to Lauderdale and get your uniform. And he couldn't believe it. He says, why are you doing this for me? I said, because. I don't carry those grudges. And go back to the 81 clubhouse when you and Saron had that big That's fight. right. That's right. But I understand those things. I've been in a number of locker rooms over the last 40 years. Uh, as a coach in the Big Ten and in, in other ways, I understand athletes, and I understand the heatedness of it. I want to win as bad as anybody in New York wants to win. So I do those things, too. I understood that about Rick. But, but you know, it's, it's, uh, to, to err is human, to forgive is something different. And to me, that, that really bears a lot. I mean, it... I will always be that way. These these fellows are all. I mean, I'm talking to Goose Gossage almost once a week. Uh, and you, when he went out of here, nobody ever thought I'd ever speak with him. George. But I have, and he called me. But, you know, uh, I I feel very strongly uh, that uh, Reggie never should have gotten away uh, from us. Uh, that's very strong. And I feel very strongly about uh, Dick Hauser. Uh, I, I know that what's been said, and sure, uh, maybe I was wrong in that, but I've, I tried to make amends to him and to his wife, Nancy, and I think she would tell you that I have, uh, that I stood by her and sometimes when... You know, George, it, it, sounds like it, it sounds like you went around killing these brush fires after you started them to begin with. Well, uh, I don't start all the brush fires. I don't start. I won't take the blame for all of these things. I, you know, I went and sat with Red to get Reggie Jackson to come to New York. I went and sat on a Thanksgiving day in the lobby of the O'Hare Inn in Chicago. I was the first guy in, not one other owner, all general managers, and I sat all day. I was determined to be the first guy in and the last guy out, and that's how I got him. And he was great for me, and I will always have a great warm spot. I never should let him get away. If I told you that story, you wouldn't, you'd be amazed, but we were double-crossed. But so be it. Uh, that's behind us. I ne that was a very bad mistake to let him get away, and, uh, and you're right on Dick Hauser. George, did you grow up a Yankee fan? I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, an Indians fan in awe of the Yankees. Well, you must have gone wild in 54 so, when they won 111 games. Yeah, you know? 100, but that was 54 and yep. 48, and it hasn't happened since. And you were, <laughs> you, But you grew up in awe of the Yankees. In awe of them because that when they would come to town. tradition and everything else. All yeah, and, and now you're going to try to say that I've killed all I'm, I'm asking you yeah. where you think that stands today, uh, Well, let me tell you something. Today I can't go out and just pick Mantle and pick Maris and say, I'm not talking about just in terms of players. I'm talking about in terms of an organization and class, well, dignity, and well, the way things right. are handled. All right. Everything is different today. Everything's different in your business. Everything's different in television. In those days, there were no more player agents. There were no uh, union, although I think that maybe a union in a lot of ways has been a good thing. I happen to think Don Fair is a good leader. But... Everything in this game has changed today. When they come to the ballpark, they don't just come with their glove and their, and their ball and their bat. They come with their glove, their ball and their bat, their briefcase and their agent, one step behind. 
and it's a different game. It's got to you got to deal with it a different way. But you can't. You guys can't walk away from the fact. You, you just can't if you're fair to me. And I don't think many people understand that in the 1980s that I'm being raked over for, we won more Jeez. games than anybody in baseball. George, you won't let that one die, will well, you? Well, now wait a minute. You know, we're bottom line guys. If you're a bottom line guy, your ratings are tremendous in the city of New York right now. Yes. Now, if those ratings ever slip, we're out of here. We're the first we're to tell you that, George. But yeah. see, but you're George, but your ratings have slipped. You're still here, George. No, 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 no. George, no, let me tell you you're, you're a football Our guy. Our one loss record hasn't. George, you're a football guy. Yeah. You, you, no, don't say football. Well, you listen. You were a Big Ten assistant, Northwestern, right, okay. Purdue. You hang out with Hank Stram the whole deal. Now, listen. <laughs> Hank's a, hell <laughs> of a good guy. You don't, you don't say anything bad about well, him. I like, I I like, like Henry Hank, Stram. Remember, I don't I'm like a CBS. his haircut, but he's one of the greatest <laughs> guys I know. I'm a CBS guy, George. I like Hank Stram. Yep. Now, listen. You got to. If I, I say to you, who are the big winners in the NFL, what do you say to me? Who are the big winners? Yeah. I think Paul Brown. When no, his no, I'm talking about teams right, oh, teams right now or through the last decade. Hey, San Francisco. Okay, do you talk to me about the Denver Broncos? Do you talk to me about the Cleveland hey. Browns or the Rams? They won a ton of games, George. They just didn't win any Super Bowls. So, you didn't win any Super so Bowls in the 80s. you think the fans have given up on the Browns or the fans have given up on Denver? No, but you're, you're boasting this record, but you didn't win anything in the 80s. We won an American League pennant in the 80s. In a split season. Yeah. Well, we won an American League pennant. Now, Finished on. sixth the second half of the season, yeah, George. Yeah, well, who won the playoffs? You did. Okay. Thanks to Oscar thank, thank Gamble. You, thank you very much. Thanks to Oscar Gamble. <laughs> thank you very much. George, very good hour. Thanks for coming on. Good hey, luck. I enjoyed it. Now, listen, I'm holding you two guys George, to it. George, we're coming come up. up. We're coming up. I'm by, you coming up. I'm going to buy a lunch. You're going to send a few gays limo dinner, for us. We'll be up. Dinner is too expensive. Well, lunch. You're getting lunch. That's all. Well, what do I get? Like, like huh? a little veal? Well, a hot dog and a little, you know. I like the Yankee hot dogs, George. A little. How about peanuts? All right, you, you uh, buy me, you buy Mike and I lunch to come up. That's about, you're coming, I'm going to ask you some things, and then we're going to trace how those things come out. Thank you, George. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Goodbye.